Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Welcome to Ruin. I'm Hallie Kiefer. I'm Allison Leiby. And we're here to ruin yet another horror movie for you. Ugh, it's so good. Now, as you recall, I'm a huge horror movie fanatic. And I am terrified of every scary movie, or pretty much any movie that's not a (laughs) rom-com. And I'm here to do her a solid. Yeah, because I'm always going to need to know the twist. I need to know information is the only thing I care about. And luckily, all I know are the twists. (laughs) So we're going to get into it. I think you know more than twists. I don't. That's all I care about. True. Okay. All you care about. I know lots of things. It is sad, like, as a horror fan, like, slowly, I'm like, do I care about any other genre? It seems like you don't. I I don't. I I guess I'm okay with that. (laughs) That's fine. Um, And the movie we're about to ruin this week is 2009's Orphan. Orphan. Um, And Allison, we just had her watch the trailer. First thoughts. I mean, you know it's bad when people live in a nice house. I think that that's what we're learning. The more of these movies that you're making me watch the trailer of and then uh, explaining, you know, the more not making, you're not forcing me to do this. Um, The more of these. Am I? I I guess through our friendship, I've sort of forced you you to do this. Oh, wow. I really railroaded you into making a podcast (laughs) with me where I just do what I would be doing off podcast. Right. But now you just have me to hang out with. Um, Absolutely. You know, the, the nicer the house, the worse the tragedies, I think, is something that we're learning along the way as we talk about these. And then I, this is one uh, movie, um, like many, where it is um, el- in some ways elevated and validated by the um, at least B-list, if not A-list stars in the film. Yes. So in, in this, in Orphan, the parents of said Orphan are Veer Farmiga and Great. Pierce Sarsgaard. Great. Phenomenal. Incredible. So it that makes casting. you think, well, this is going to be good. Really something. <laughs> it really and I'm going to say, I enjoy Orphan. This movie is full-on trash. Like, this is exactly when you want a trash horror yeah. movie to be like, I don't have to think. I know, you know what's going to happen in this. Right. Well, right. Oh, yeah, well, I this, mean, not literally. But, like, you know what you're getting into. You know what ain't going to be good. It's not going to be some kind of commentary. They're we just going to show you all the scary things. Exactly. And um, interestingly, this is a very unique movie where Allison knows the twist. I do know the twist. And we're going to get into why after the summary, but we wanted, in case you don't know the twist, we did not want to spoil it up top, so we're going to get into it and reveal it as we normally do, as if Allison was hearing it for the first time. And all I know is what it is, not how we're getting there. Exactly. I I know very little about this movie still, so it's still going to be, you know, the old song and dance that we're used to. (laughs) An evil child. And that's why I wanted to get, like, sort of a room tone of the scariness, a baseline scary... How do you feel about a scary child? I don't love an evil child. And why is that? I think because, like, children are inherently already a little spooky. <laughs> like, right, they're uncontrollable. They're, right, you don't know what they're thinking. They don't act uh, based on, like, adult reasoning in the same right, way that not, we do. They're not, they're not socially uh, trained yet. They don't care about the things we care about, which is money. Yes, and, and whatever else people care about. I don't know. <laughs> no, just money. That's all I care about. Yes, they're emotional. They're erratic. Yeah. 
they don't like understand social rules yet. So like you don't know what you're getting with a child that's not evil. So have to have an evil one is just terrifying to me. And I think um it, it is scary in particular because as we all know, it's sort of like, well, a child's not supposed to be evil. You know, children are supposed to be good and lovely. Exactly. So to have an evil child is such a, a famous trope of horror. Yes. And boy, they are just pulling out all the tropes. It seems like this is a, a trope-heavy <laughs> film. And I'd say the the pro of having your movie about an evil child, I wrote a, a pro for me would be, physically, you could take them in a fight. So at any point in a movie, it is like, okay, but you could kick her ass yeah, if you I had could, to. Yeah, I could, yeah, fuck up a kid. Like, that would be... Allison, <laughs> I, I, I don't know your level of fitness, but I know you go swimming a lot. I do go swimming. I think you could full-on fight a nine-year-old girl. I, I believe so. that. I think I'd take a lot of hits. I'd take a lot of damage, but I think I'd be able to come out on top. I, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I just they would get more tired. of a reach. Sure. Oh, exactly. Kids, and they need to take naps. Yeah. The only con, it does, watching these movies, it does, I feel like if I had a child, I'd be questioned, like if they were acting weird, I'd be like, is this one of those demon children I how do heard you about? How do you know? And you could ask it, and you're like, are you a demon? And it would be like, no. And you're like, well, that's That's scary. exactly what you say. That's, that's, what, that's what a demon child would say and to I trick me. And I don't know about you, but I remember when I was younger, I did have like an adult woman's haircut. I did seem like you couldn't exactly, like, am I 13? Am I 50? No one could yeah. tell. And that probably was very unsettling for people. I, absolutely. Um, That's a I'm scary. Just, I'm glad that nobody what was your holy haircut? water. It was like a bowl cut. Oh, it was sure. I, it was one of those things where, like, I lived in such a small town, like, fashion never arrived. Yeah. I think now it's there because of the internet, but everyone's like, I don't know. Yeah, but in the 80s and 90s, it's just everybody's doing their best. I had a Mr. Bean sweatshirt I would wear to school in middle school. <laughs> I'm lucky that nobody set me on fire. <laughs> um, so, so we're again, we're not going to reveal the twist, but Allison, knowing the twist and having seen the trailer, which I think does give a lot. You know what I mean? This the is trailer a, really did show a lot. And, and that's the problem with all trailers now. All trailers. Especially sh- horror. It's like, don't show me. Give me one or two spooky things. Things, then leave me being like, what the hell is going to happen with these people? Ooh, leave a little mystery. A little a little to the imagination. Uh, but no, if you've seen the trailer, Spooky Child, something made right with this girl, and she's going about to wreak havoc on yes. a, a family with a beautiful house. Um, what else do you think might happen in this movie? It feels very violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and child-on-child child violence. Oh, okay. Feels very intense for you some are, reason. You're really picking up on... I mean, that's exactly... Well, what. they showed a lot of it. Oh, you're right. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Okay. <clears throat> Open on a very pregnant Vera Formiga giving birth to a baby drenched in blood. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it's a dream sequence. Okay. <laughs> um, Vera Formiga plays Kate. She's a piano teacher and they established a really good top, a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And she's married to John and he's played by Peter Sarsgaard. He is an architect as is every husband in every horror movie. It seems like that's a very, like the architect husband is the magazine writer woman Absolutely. of the rom-com. Absolutely. And it's because one, we don't really know what they do, it but it matter. seems glamorous. It seems glamorous. And like, you know they're going to, like, then they can, like, have a really nice house for the production. And the house in this is sick. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. They're kind of, like, a little bit remote. There's, like, a pond out front. It's a winter movie, which I love a winter horror movie. Well, summer, if you're going to do a summer horror movie, it can't be Evil Child. It has to be bikini teens or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's summer camp. It's, Yeah, this is very much bundled up. Yes. Secrets in the Snow. 
their parents to Danny, who is, I'm bad at kid ages, so like 10 or 11, <laughs> and Max, who is six, I guess. I don't couldn't tell Max you. Max is the girl. Max is the girl, and Max, Maxine, and she is deaf due to reasons that we will find out later. So okay. she's deaf, so she signs. So she's even more vulnerable than a regular little girl, a little kid, Yeah. to... She can't hear what's coming. Exactly. So Kate, so she's having these terrible dreams, and you know that Kate did have a stillborn. She had a third child who was stillborn. Her name is Jessica. And sort of you get, they do a good job giving a lot of backstory where it's like, Kate had a stillborn baby. She relapsed on her recovery. She was drinking a lot. Wait, what? Is she sober in the film? She's sober now, and she's going to therapist uh, Dr. Browning, played by Mark, um, what is her name? Um, We'll we'll get to her. Dr. Browning. And uh, so she's like, it seems like, okay, the last couple of years they've gone through a lot, and now she and John are, like, pulling through. So finally they're talking about, let's, should we adopt a third child? Okay. And this movie is vehemently anti-adoption. I mean, it seems like that, and it's such a intense stance to take. Oh, it's wild. Like, because there's not even, like, now, like, maybe, again, now, this came out in 2015. This is not an right, old movie. Yeah, it's not like, oh, it's from the 80s, so, you know, how like, things were just, like, not dealt with properly exactly. back then. This is... Yeah, this is like full on. If you adopt a child, they will absolutely go berserk. So they go to St. Mariana School for Girls, and they do not even look at any of the— There's plenty of orphans you could be adopting. They go immediately to the Russian girl who is sitting alone painting beautiful paintings, stunning paintings. She's wearing ribbons on her neck and wrists and is wearing like a Victorian frou-frou doll's costume. That's such a red flag of like, don't— pick this one for the movie. And the thing is... I don't mean in life. No, no, and absolutely. And they are, I think, because like, oh, we're rich and we have this great house. They're like, well, we need the most unique orphan. Ugh. And she even says when they first meet her... I guess I'm different. Also, I'm sorry, I'm going to do the accent and it's going to be wrong. You have to do the accent and it's excellent. So, um... So basically, she's like, I'm not a regular orphan. I'm a cool orphan. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. really drawn to that, which I guess is why she's successful as an I know. orphan. They're really, like, collecting all of the— ch- Like, they they have, like, the cute boy, the deaf girl. Now they need the weird Russian. Exactly, like, they're, yes. you know, really the Russian doll. curating a family. Wonderful painting. So Sister Ab- Abigail runs the orphanage. She's played by Cece Pounder. And she's like, great, let's get this old stock out of here. Okay, <laughs> if you take the old weird one that nobody wants— You'll get a BOGO deal. She's like, I don't, whatever. Yeah. They take her home. I love that there's no paperwork or the government's not I guess we're supposed to think like maybe a couple weeks, but let me tell you, they cut right to she's coming home. All right. And um, they they give her this room. They do have something odd in her room, which is a fish tank. Fine, gross, in my opinion, but very fine, gross with a black light. But the rest of her mo- her room is like pink princessy, and then there's like a weird there? black light. Well, because of the stylistic choices of the design of the movie, which I frankly kind of we'll get into, I think is cool. But yeah, it's kind of forced. Black light is a little bold for a child's room. I if I have a child, they're not going to have a fish tank. Oh hell no! No, no part of my house will ever have a fish tank. You might as well have a turtle tank. Okay. Oh, that's so going to outlive you. They have it. Get a parrot while you're at it. So, <laughs> An African gray. So she moves in, and things immediately start are very odd. So okay. Kate gets her, like, jeans to wear to school. Esther refuses and only wears these, like, dresses. Here's what they never explained. Where are they coming so, from? Exactly. So you get an orphan, then you get, like, a full set of dresses as if she's, like, an American girl doll. <laughs> they never address that. That was my first question. Why does this orphan have a wardrobe? Why does she have a, and a weird wardrobe that you would have to, like, go out of your way to find? It's yeah, not like, like, here's a bunch of stuff from a thrift store that she has. Exactly. Like, and everyone else, like, in the family wears, like, Target or, like, you know, yeah, like, normal like clothes. Like, jeans and shirts. And, um, and Kate tries to be like, you know, I don't think you should wear that to your first day of, like, 
I guess she was in fifth grade or yeah, fourth you grade. you look like a maniac. Yeah, and she's like, well, you always, you know, you think people are going to judge me, but you think people are going to judge me, but you are, <laughs> shouldn't it better that I, you know, be myself? And in the case, like, you're right, I'm learning so much. So, Ugh. of course, Brenda, this absolute fabulous bitch who is in fifth grade with her, she starts <laughs> clowning her. Yeah. And is like, oh, my God, look at this or whatever. Pretty soon thereafter, Brenda is pushed from the top of some playground equipment and breaks her leg in a pretty gruesome shot. Ugh. Well, like, that's in the trailer. Exactly. So that's not even a spoiler. Like, we this happens so, yeah. This, when we were watching the trailer, I was even like, ugh, that scene. Because, like, you see, like, Esther at the top of, like, the slide in, like, all black and, like, turning around. Exactly. It's so and, spooky. And because Brenda is alive, she right. tells her parents and then the parents call. And they're like, Esther pushed Brenda off the, you have to handle this, right. you know? And uh, Kate notices some other strange things, like Esther will lock the door in the bathroom, like, one night I went in. But okay, fine, she's nine. Yeah, she's starting puberty. She feels weird, doesn't want to, whatever. And then she also has a Bible. And in the Bible is a half of a, you know, half of a picture, like you see in every horror movie. Sure. And it's a picture of a daddy. A daddy. Who's this daddy? Must know the daddy. Speaking of daddies, Esther also keeps interrupting John and Kate while they're trying to have sex. Oh. And one of them, it's not even her fault because they were basically like about to have like doggy style style sex, like no foreplays, basically. Just like, like right into penetration. In the kitchen. Ew. It's like you have three children who are able to walk. Right. I just feel like me, I had two brothers. We were up at all hours. You can't have sex in the kitchen. You can't. I don't care what time it is. Right. So people are like, uh, they're like, oh, Esther saw it. It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, that's on them. This, that one's on that you. That one's the on The other them. one, that's on Esther because um, turns out that she's looking to find a daddy too. And that's what's disgusting about this whole, <sighs> is there is this like intimation where like she likes John and she wants to have this close relationship. But oh, it's kind of like Kate's her rival. Yes. You know, so, and you, it's, it's from on Which top and you're like, ugh. Very reverse Oedipal. Um, yeah, what's the electra? Isn't it electra? Electra? Yeah, somebody look that up and, and then don't yeah, tell us. Yeah. But so don't we also see her, us. she's just doing constantly creepy, creepy stuff. We see her crush a pigeon with a brick. What? Meanwhile, <laughs> um, John, it's, it's insane. And John, just like for fun. Well, um, Danny hit the pigeon with a BB gun, so uh-huh. it was dying. And, and Danny's having a normal kid reaction where he's crying. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, She's a paintball like, gun. Oh, so this. Yeah, it's like, crush. you have to put it out of its misery. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, maybe she's just Russian. Uh, you yeah, know? that's a I mean, very not, Russian move. Yeah. So meanwhile, also, John's, so it's Kate, because of her alcoholism and this stuff, you know, she's had a lot of trauma. Sure. She essentially had a good job at Yale that she quit, and now she teaches piano. Okay. So they have John's mother, Grandma Barbara, babysitting. This bitch does not see one. She does not look up from yeah. her book. That's a real her, grandma these kids babysitting are move. Shooting each other and falling off the roof and smashing pigeons. Grandma Barbara, she's reading Fifty Shades of Grey. She's not even looking up. <laughs> and I was like, what is the point of Grandma Barbara? Just leave the kids alone if that's the case. I mean, essentially that they have. So Kate starts to like sort of pick on, you know, sure. especially for the Brenda thing. And Sister Abigail calls to say, how are things working out? She's like, well, you know, I do think she push this girl Brenda. I do think, even though uh, Esther denies it, and Max is basically pressured by Esther into backing her up. I, You know, I think that, you know, sort of maybe something's going on. And Sister Abigail's like, you know, maybe I should do one second of research. And then she comes to the house right. and tells John and Kate, I think there could be something wrong with Esther. Because violence has followed her. The family she used to live with, their house burned down. She's the only one who survived. How- okay. And Was that in America or in Russia? Um, you know, I'll be absolutely honest. I tried to follow. I think it was in America. Okay. But also, like, we don't know where she was before that. Okay. 
And also, um, she went to school with the boy when she lived with the old family. So I guess it was in America, who stabbed himself in the jaw with scissors. And Esther oh my was God. There. The intimation being so violent. Esther was responsible. Yes. So Kate receives this information. And I'm going to ch- stop and check in with you all. I said, what do you do when you get that information about your newly adopted child who's I been mean, there seemingly a matter of weeks? I think, and this will this is a, a very controversial stance, uh, give her back. Right. I I don't know the rules about that. I don't either. I don't know what you're allowed to do. I don't know anything about the process of adoption. I do know that if there was a violent child that right. had a spotty past that's been in my house for two weeks, right. I could maybe be moved to change that situation. Well, I say at least take her to take her to a therapist. Yeah, take her to a professional. I feel like, you know, my, one of my brothers maybe is adopted. Maybe also hire a security. Hire a security. Well, you are rich. <laughs> Your husband is an architect. Right, like seemingly could, a millionaire. They could, like, hire, like, some, like, guy that's just kind of around all the time and could be, like, watching. Because these kids shouldn't be on their own. She should never be alone. <laughs> I mean, once once a child has gowns that you don't know, fabulous gowns that you don't know where they're from. Like, where's all the ribbon coming from? You have lost control of the scenario. Agreed. Well, um, when si- Sister Abigail leaves that meeting that she had with Kate and John, Esther realizes, oh, she's clocked me. Like she This knows. bitch is on to me. So she and Max, the little girl, run to the road ahead of Sister Abigail's car which is very fast. And Esther shoves Max in front of Sister Abigail's car, forcing him to swerve off the road. And then when Sister Abigail runs out of the car to be like, oh my God, Max, are you okay? Um, Esther murders her with a hammer. The woman? Yes, the nun, Sister Abigail. Where'd she get the fucking hammer? Oh, uh, John's tool shop. Okay. Because as an architect, he has a lot of tools for what? Couldn't tell you. Just for Building little houses? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, tiny little homes. So they get a call the next day, and they're like, hey, did Sister Abigail ever come home? And it's like, well, no, she did. Where else would have none be? Like, if she doesn't come home, something Yeah, she's not, like, going out. And the cops eventually, they find her body, like, on the side of the road. They're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to actually look into this. Yeah, no, why would you look into a nun getting murdered with a hammer on the side of the road? So this creates the first rift, where Kate's like, I think Esther had something to do with this. And John's like, what are you talking about? Ugh. Typical dads. In a horror movie, if you don't trust your your spouse, usually a wife, but often a, uh, sometimes a husband, or if you are an adult who does not trust your children, your whole family's you're going to die. die. Absolutely. So he makes the grievous mistake of being like, I think you're really blowing Sister Abigail's murder out of proportion. There's no way Esther could have done this. It's like, but who else would have done it? But, okay, that's fine. You okay. know, Whatever. all right, John. You, you can't know. just jump to conclusions and be like, oh, our, our adopted child murdered that nun. Exactly. That's a, that's a somebody murdered the leap. nun. And so they have a big, huge blow-up fight, and you find out that John had an affair. And this was years ago, but they never really healed from it. And then you find out that the reason that Max is deaf is that Kate's basically relapsed and was so drunk one time that Max fell into the pond in the front yard. And that's why she's deaf. Like, she oh, so almost died— a lot of yes. So trauma both of them are guilt. still very angry at each other, and oh, it's God. all tied up. Right, and you're like these two should not be married. Well, but it's hard. It's like you have kids, you want to work it out. You just adopted this psychotic Monster. Russian orphan. You know what I mean? Like you're. Do- it's. It, I think they should be in couples counseling. Mm-hmm. It's good. Kate's going for counseling, but you they know, both need to be involved. Exactly. And so Esther starts to kind of show her true face to Kate. So like she'll be a bitch to Kate's face, but then when John's there, she's like. Do you want to see more of my wonderful paintings? <laughs> and she says extremely rank stuff like, you have no idea how long I've waited for a daddy just like you. And you're like, ew. Oh. So finally, uh, John convinces, or Kate convinces John, 
like, let me take her to Dr. Browning, who's played by Margot Martindale. Wonderful actress. Oh, great actress. And she's like, well, let, we'll take her and then whatever. Dr. Browning is absolutely bamboozled. And she meets with John and Kate after. She's like, you know, I think the real issue, Kate, is that you're being a really cold and distant and bad mother. <gasps> and no. it's not Esther that's the problem. It's you. And John said, see, I told you it was you. No. It's not our, it's not Esther. Esther has everyone wrapped around her teeny little finger. That's so scary. And Kate is obviously, it's gaslighting, you yes. know. And so Kate, she's like, no, I, you know, we, and then we, as the audience member, we have information that they don't have. And we see Esther in her room and she's flicking on the fish tank blacklight. Oh, God. And we see like, so she does these beautiful paintings and then in blacklight paint that you can only see when the blacklight's just right. on. She's, uh, I was trying to write down, topless ghouls. Skeletons murder each other. Flames. <laughs> what are the What are the non blacklight paintings? Paintings of, is it like pastoral? A house, and a, ha- a house, a beautiful house, like a portrait of a, a girl, very sweet, charming. Yeah. And then there's blacklight paint. Where'd she get that blacklight paint? I was Allison? just gonna ask that. And it's also like, why does she have that? Why Why is it all set up for her to be doing secret paintings? Well, I guess weird. Yeah, exactly. Weird. Like she, they gave her an easel and stuff because they want to promote that. She's but yeah, painter. where did she get her secret paint that she needed to paint her secret? Right. Sociopathic self. Uh, we we will never know that. So Kate starts to like be like, well, I'm going to do my own research into her past. Sister Abigail, you know, R.I.P. And so she looks it up and she was adopted from a Russian orphanage, calls that Russian orphanage. Guess what? They don't have any record of her. Of course you not. see in the trailer, yeah. actually. So that's not even a surprise. And John's like, wow, you might be onto something. Oh. Just kidding. John's like, you're crazy. It's like, you are it's kidding like, me. We have a stranger living in our house who's terrorizing people. It's also, I mean, fundamentally, this is not how adoption works. Like, you have to do no. months. They have to do a home study. Oh, my God. Like, all yeah. this stuff. I guess they do do a home study. But you know what I mean? Like, you, you would find out essentially like, oh, if we do, we can't connect it, you know, yeah. back up. And so um, now Esther's sort of trying to ingratiate herself with John. And she, John is supposed to take her to the dentist. And Esther doesn't want to go, presumably because the dentist will be able to be like, you know, your teeth are weird. Yeah. Or whatever. And um, so she's like, I don't want to go to the dentist, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, we'll play hooky and we'll skip the dentist and we'll draw. But then we have to reschedule. Oof. And I was like, even if that was my regular child and my spouse was like, like You're going we to blew the off the dentist, dentist yeah. I would be like, what kind of Robin Williams at the beginning of Mrs. Doubtfire bullshit is this? Right. Like, this is not for fun. You guys are going to do arts and crafts? Like, her teeth could be falling out of her head. Yeah, so Take that's another thing doctor. for, like, Kate and um, for Stop. them to argue about. about. And, you know, at a certain point, Kate drives Max and, and Danny to school that day because— Esther's supposed to be the dentist. And she's like, hey, has is, is Esther been acting weird or, or making you uncomfortable? And they're both like, no. And the reason they lie is because they saw her full on murder a nun with a hammer. Yes. So they're like, I, we can't, you know, like, be... So they, they're not around. saying anything to the parents. No. And they feel like they can't, like... And uh, Esther does, at a certain point, tell Danny if he tells anyone what or who she really... What, she, what kind of person she is, she will cut his prick off. <laughs> I believe she says hairless prick, and it's horrifying. That's horrifying. Is it in the accent? If you tell anyone what you saw, I will cut off your hairless little prick. <laughs> and then he pees his pants. <gasps> oh. And this is why— Poor kid. This movie is full trash. Yeah, because I think in order to have a multiple children threatened repeatedly, you have to have— you have to, it has to be, This has to be the best movie it's ever made. Yeah. And this is not. This is not it. This is not it. I, again, I enjoyed it, but this ain't it. So Esther starts manipulating things to make Kate seems unstable to get her essentially out of the house. And so, um, for example, she like takes wine bottles out of the recycling and being like, 
to basically plan it and be like, okay, drink this. She's yeah. off the wagon. She takes the parking brake off of the car, which you saw in the trailer. Yes. And Max is in the car. So the car is hurtling into traffic. Oh, my God. And uh, luckily just runs into a snowbank. But like, you know, uh, uh, and this is bringing up for Kate. Oh, the, uh, accidentally almost letting yes. her drown. Yes. And so obviously John, when he finds out, is furious. And he has Dr. Browning come over and essentially they have an intervention. And they're like, you're off the wagon. Yeah. This something happened and you endangered Max. Right. And then the other thing would happen was at a certain point, she grabs Esther's arm in anger. Yes. I wasn't going to get into this, but Kate has, and maybe it helps her, Kate has a, um, a greenhouse. Uh-huh. And in the greenhouse is a white rose bush that in the of course. dirt, stillborn baby Jessica's ashes are. Oh, cool. And it's Great. beautiful um, rose bush. So under the guise of picking some flowers for mommy, Esther has cut all the roses <gasps> off and given them to She's Kate. She's a monster. Yes. And so Kate grabs her arm because Kate knows this is an intentional fuck you. Yes. But John's like, she's just a child. She's just she's trying just to a, help. Yeah, she's trying to be nice. She didn't understand. No, she's not. She's evil. And so Kate grabs Esther's arm. Not not hard. In the, in the night, Esther goes down to John's workshop, which should be locked if you have children that small. Absolutely. Even before Esther. Just your other kids. Yeah, you have a six-year-old. She puts her arm in a vice, and she breaks her own arm to make it look like, well, Kate, grab my arm so hard that it broke. So Dr. Browning and John are like, you have have a week to go into a rehab facility, or John is leaving with the kids and staying somewhere Somewhere else else. with you. Some other beautiful home. And we're not going to take your excuses, and Dr. Browning's like, you're lying to yourself. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, none of this is true. So Kate's like, oh my God, I'm crazy. And so far, what would you say... Or well, well, we could do that later because I'm going to do fatal mistakes. But it's like the only yeah. mistake is like you got to trust your wife. Yeah, you do have to trust. Like no trust in a relationship is just a death sentence. Right. So we'll get into that later. So now we've arrived at the point of every ruined episode where I've got to ask you, Allison, who do you think survives? I gotta hope that Kate survives because her life has been so awful mm-hmm. in the span of this movie that, and before uh, this movie, that, like, I, I want that for her. She deserves She deserves it. Yes. And she's the only one who's, like, cued into, like, hey, our adopted child is evil. Exactly. Um, How do we feel about John? I think John's gonna die. And I, I think the other two kids live. Okay. No. One of them dies. Okay. Which one? Mm. We got Danny, we got Max. Danny. I think the, the poor deaf girl, like, that can't be double. But though maybe, I don't know, this movie clearly has, like, no rules. There, this is a very tasteless film. Yes. In a way that, That's a great way to describe what very, I'm hearing. It's a, and I, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit at the end, but um, this is produced by um, Robert Downey Jr.'s wife. And one of the producers is Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, it has a Why? lot of big names, big <laughs> names attached. Sure. But it is absolutely tasteless and trash. Yes. And I, my only example of that is that you're threat, you're putting children in her- terrible danger, but it's not, you're not earning it. Right. And not like, yeah, and not like for like a greater purpose, exactly. it seems. Now, how do we feel about Grandma Barbara? Is she going to make the cut? If, like, if she survives, like, I mean, she might just die on her own, it seems. But yes, right. I think that she does. And then Esther. Is she going to survive? I think Esther dies at the end. Okay. That's my prediction based on Truly only what we've talked about and yes. knowing the little secret. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. 
Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. All right, so now Kate is sort of out of commission. Like, people just don't—people think she's sort of spiraling, so, like, nobody trusts her, right? Sister Abigail is uh, in a morgue somewhere. Oh, right. And Dr. Browning and uh, John are absolutely— They've been bamboozled. Yes. They've been hornswoggled. Yeah, they're tricked. So who then has to step up and save the day? Danny. Yeah. Just like, oh, God, it's hard enough to be a little kid. Ugh. Now you got to save your family from some psycho. And uh, he goes to Max, and he's like, we got to find some evidence to show Dad to prove that Esther is killed, right. first of all, killed Sister Abigail, yeah. but also killed did all adult. this other stuff. Yeah. And Max is like, well, I think she took, it was like the hammer and the, cl- some. she had some stuff yeah. from that murder and hid it in the treehouse. It's like, a treehouse that is far too high off the ground. Yeah. I don't know how they should be built, but it's like 30 feet up. Your kid's going to die or whatever. He goes up there to try to find it. Of course, Esther finds him. Right. And sets the treehouse on fire with Danny in it. <gasps> so it's a harrowing. That's terrifying. You know, meanwhile. A sky fire? Basically. Meanwhile, Kate is Googling, trying to find more information about Esther. Right. Literally, Grandma Barbara is sitting on the fucking couch. And you think, okay, maybe they're far enough in the woods. They do like a reveal shot of like, how far it is from the house. It is in full view of the front of the house. The entire tree house is a conflagration. And she's and just doesn't even look up. It's like, you are a worthless babysitter. Yeah, you're the worst grandmother. Yeah, you. these kids are dead a hundred times yeah. over. So uh, Kate uh, find, is 
you know, is upstairs and doesn't see it right away. And she's looking up all this information and she finds photos of not simply just the one other daddy that um, the half had a photo picture of. daddy. She finds three other daddies. A lot of daddies. That's a lot of daddies for one little girl. And then she's looking at her Bible, trying to find any evidence to whatever. And in the back of the Bible, it is stamped with the words, the Sarn Institute. And she gives them a call. Oh, and she sends them a photo of Esther being like, right. is this a child that was adopted from your um, facility? Right. And <laughs> there's like the one guy who speaks English who's there that day. Is the orderly's like, well, this is an adult mental institute, so I don't think she would be adopted here, <gasps> but I'll have somebody call you back. It's like, that's so, a long wait for that phone call. Exactly. To be like, wait, what's happening? So right as Kate gets this information, she looks outside and sees Danny falling out of the flaming tree. No. Yeah, like, literally. And Vera Farmiga is a good actress, so she it's is. actually very harrowing. Like, she's screaming, like, no. Yeah. It's like, things could not be worse. And then you That's, look like, outside. such a trauma. You're like, wait, what did I just adopt? Is that my son falling out of a tree falling full of out flames? Of a ball of fire out of the ground. It's so horrible. <laughs> That's so gr- And then like, he's laying there. Violent? As, and, and she's like making her way out there. And Esther is about to smash his head with a bri- uh, rock like the pigeon when finally Max has to stand up and pushes her over. Good. And I'm like, wait, Max, Max is the same thing. She's six years old and deaf. Like, like for God's sake. poor child. And also, like, these kids will never get enough therapy to get no, over this. No, no. There's no world where they can go on and live normal lives. Right. And it's because- like, wow. So, like, I guess my trauma was this time, this insane girl, you know. And so uh, they rush Danny. Danny's unconscious, so we can't tell them Esther 100% did this. Right. They rush into the hospital, and they're waiting there. And even now, Kate's like, I know Esther set this on fire. I know that she did this. I got this weird email about the Sardin Institute. They're supposed to call me back. And John's like, we have her passport, her birth certificate, your school papers, records, medical records. from halfway around the world. What is this? It's a piece of paper. Your mother was there this time. It wasn't just me. Your mother was there. He's like the dumb husband in like every house uh, product commercial too, where it's like, I can't use a paper towel. He's trying to open like a carton of milk and it just rips open and sprays everywhere. He's like, what can you do? So they're in the hospital and they're arguing. Kate's like, I will leave, but Esther cannot stay in the house with the kids. Like, then she leaves too or whatever. And they're hashing it out. Grandma Barbara is waiting in the waiting room with Esther and and Max. And Esther's like, can I have a dollar for the soda machine? I don't, that's a terrible. I don't even know I what like Esther's it doing so it. much. And Grandma, Grandma Barbara, Gabby Barbara says, well, I don't know. Your mom said to stay here. And Esther makes like one frowny face. And Grandma Barbara was like, okay, here's a dollar. So then Esther First goes, thing she does for any of these kids is to just like help this she is, nightmare go do something also, else. maybe, now that it, I'm thinking about this, maybe it explains why John can't like engage with it because his mother yeah. also cannot engage with reality. Yes, yes. This is a, he has inherited this trauma from his mother. Absolutely. So Esther goes immediately to Danny's um, hospital room and suffocates him <gasps> and he flatlines. Danny. But then they get him back. Okay. Then they get him back. He's still in a coma though, but oh. he's alive. All right. It's better than nothing, I guess. Yes. And then, <laughs> so finally, uh, Kate gets to kick's Esther's ass. Not really, but she does slap her. And everyone's like, oh my God, you slapped a child, which is the problem with having an evil child is the right. villainous. Yeah, you also cannot fight back. You can't just pick them up and throw them like Without you could. Without society being like, don't hit your kid. Oh, society's going to judge me for fighting a nine-year-old girl. Like, grow up. Yeah, you know? also like, my kid killed someone with a hammer, so I can hit her. Right. Hello. That's just logic. No, but so, so she slaps Esther in front of everybody. And so they sedate Kate and they... They admit her. Sedate her. I don't know what the, you know what I mean? They admit her under like a psychiatric hold. And um, John takes Esther and Max home. (gasps) And Grandma Barbara. Max. Fuck it. I don't know where she probably wandered off down the street. I don't know. So they go home and Kate's 
there. And you, her phone keeps ringing. It's a call from the, the Sarn Institute. Of course. With some very important information. Tons. So, um, so finally, um, as soon as Kate, or as soon as um, they get home, Esther, Max, and John, Esther attempts to seduce John. And she puts out no. one of Kate's dresses. No. Okay. And a full face of, like, eyeliner and lipstick and does her hair. That's so spooky on a child. And they really, God, uh, Peter Sarsgaard is a good actor. And I yes. think because he's a good actor, he totally biffs this scene. And it was like, I refuse to play this. Good. Like, it's realistic. Right. Because this is disgusting. This and he's right. A fucked up scene to write. And it's a hats off to me that he's actually terrible in this scene. Good. And he, they have him drinking wine, but they literally have to put, like, a blurry vision on him. Like, he's super drunk. Because they know any normal person, as soon as they saw that, would be like, oh. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Absolutely so, not. Go to your room. I, we can't deal with Get this right now. No. Maybe you did set that on fire. So they have to, like, have this moment where she's like, you know, I love you, John. I, I you know, whatever. All this stuff. Daddy. And, of course, he rejects her. Good. And she's sobbing. But also, it's like, you are, you already tried this, clearly, with all these other daddies. Right. You're in love with the daddies. Why did you think this was going to work the fourth da- daddy? Right. Absolutely not. So she's, she runs off and... He's trying to come after her. Meanwhile, Kate wakes up out of her, you know, sedation yes. and is able to get a call, which is like a perfect, uh, the horror movie call. When an expert from a foreign Country. facility calls <laughs> you and is like, dear God, I've got the information you need. And the information And just is in time. Just barely in the nick of time. She already tried to seduce your husband, luckily. Yeah. It was Dr. Vener- Varna okay. of the Sarn Institute. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, um, that is not a child. That is an adult woman with proportional dwarfism named Lena. She is 33. <laughs> and she, if she cannot successfully fuck your husband, she will absolutely kill your whole family. That's her whole thing. So you got to get out of the house. And Kate's like, what? Also, like, getting that call after all of this is so, like, validating, <laughs> but, but like, also I insane. It. It's like, yeah. I knew it the whole time she was an adult. Like, And so Kate's like, oh, my God. And, of course, she tries to call, and the power of the house is out. Oh, and It's course. a big blizzard. So she starts to drive home in a blizzard. Of course. And she slips sliding, and she calls the cops, but they kind of live in a rural area, so it's going to take them a while, right? As every movie. And so John's trying to find Esther, and Esther is doing her, somewhere we don't know where she is, on her unmasking, she takes out her teeth, revealing her, she has terrible jagged teeth. Oh, God, that's so much scarier. She takes off her full face of makeup, which you would notice on a child. Let me just you say would that. notice if a child was wearing a full face of, a like... A full beat. Of, <laughs> of, like, like television makeup, I would Absolutely. assume. She takes it off, she's got terrible skin, and then, in the greatest betrayal, she puts on a pair of jeans. She had jeans the whole time. The whole time? Which doesn't, the, the dressing doesn't make sense. Anywho, yeah, so, I don't know why she would need to do that. I guess just to keep the facade of like, I'm a weirdo. Oh, yeah. And so she took the ribbons and the off her neck and wrist. And apparently she has scars from like trying to get out of her restraints at the Sarn Institute. I see. And now she is out for blood. Yeah. Meanwhile, John goes to her room to look for her. And he walks into her room with just the black light on. And see. And sees all the stuff. So he's like ripping it down because he's so disgusted. And then on the walls, on the literal walls, she has drawn murals of herself and John fucking. No! And what's interesting is, like, they make a point to be like, she has to unwrap her breasts like she's an adult right. woman with breasts. Because I think they realize if we paint a mural where she doesn't have breasts, that's just, just a man that's having just sex a with man a child. child. Yeah. Which is like, this movie has a terrible taste, but they're not even going, they're not going that far. Okay, good. I'm which, glad that but they, then like... what's weird is, it's a little a petite woman with huge cans. <laughs> To be like, it's a woman. <laughs> it's not a kid. It's not a kid. We promise. Right. And then, but then it makes it weird in another sense where I'm like, was she just hiding huge breasts? Like, that makes no sense. I guess that makes the dresses 
make a little, you know. Yeah, so maybe she had to have the layers yeah. to cover it. That makes sense. Okay. But so st- it's still a weird choice. You could just wear a sweatshirt. Yeah. And because John committed the fatal flaw of not trusting his wife, um, he gets stabbed to death. So Kate gets to the house, finds John's body, and is trying to find Max. Through a, a lot of running around, Kate ends up on the roof of the greenhouse. Obviously. And Esther's down below with Max, and Esther shoots out the roof. Kate falls on top of her, yeah. squishing her. Or does she? No. Uh, Kate picks up Max and is trying to run to the road. You see the cops. They end up, Esther chases. She and Esther end up having a fight on the frozen pond where Esther's oh. just stabbing her. And then the ice cracks, they're in the pond, of course, because the pond is a symbol of her failure as a mother yes. and her, her feelings about motherhood. And finally, Kate's able to get out and Esther grabs her foot and says, please don't let me die, mommy. And Kate says, I'm not your fucking mommy. It kicks her in the head so hard her neck snaps and she falls in the pond. Good. The end. I love that. Um, so let's get into it. What were the fatal mistakes? Fatal mistakes. And also, I don't know if we have the rights to it, but every time I write fatal mistakes, I think, this is your fatal mistake. The Sheryl Crow song, favorite mistake. Oh, yeah, that's great. I love Sheryl Crow. I've been having a little renaissance of her music recently. Me too. Recently. Favorite oh, mistake is like phenomenal. She's great. Anyway. So where would you say, where were some moments where it's like, this could have been stopped? I mean, I think from the start, just like walking home with a child that there's no paperwork mm-hmm. or background or information on is a bad idea. Yeah. Like, and, like, as soon as they, like, Kate needed to do something to get, like, people to trust her. And I don't know what that would have been. Well, I think Esther played it perfectly. Yeah, she really is Really, it's sort of, like, the only thing that took Esther down was, like, she was too insane to rail it in. If she had held on for a couple more weeks, it still wouldn't have worked. But Kate would have been out of the picture. Yes. But she just needed that daddy too much. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think John made the flaw of not trusting your wife. Always a huge horror movie problem. And I think um, having a pond on your property... Somebody's going to drown in it. Well, it seems like, in general, that house is not child-proofed. Absolutely There's not. too much access to tools, too many black lights, I guess. Absolutely. Um, which, you know, you never think you have to say, but here we are. It was all too easy for her to, like, Completely. manipulate them and to, like, have access to, like, why was she able to, like, kill somebody with a hammer? You know, that shouldn't have how been— How was she—basically, the intima- intimation is that she and Max drags Sister Abigail's body into the woods. That right. would not be possible. Right. Um, so if you were to rate this on a spooky scale, I think the uh, the sexual element brings mm-hmm. it down for me quite a bit oh, because okay. it really is uh, grosser than it is. Sca- it, yeah. Like you're not it, scared. You're... Out, I'm 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 like uncomfortable in a you're very unnerved. different way. Yeah, yes. I'm unnerved, but I'm not scared. I'm just like nauseous. Um, Absolutely. I think I'm going to put this around a five. Okay. I think. Yeah. It's super violent. Mm-hmm. Um. But there was never a moment in talk, and maybe part of that is ruined by the fact that I knew she was an adult the whole time. Exactly. But there was never like a part that you were describing where I was just like legitimately chilled. Yes, absolutely. Know? So I think a five because it's still scary and it's still gross. Yeah, I gave it a three for the exact same reasons. I was never scared. I think the sexual stuff, if anything, was the most scary parts. Well, I mean, but you're yes. right. They're not scary in like a, oh my god, not it's a like horror a, movie. Oh way. God. So yeah, I say three. Yeah. A fun, I think a fun horror movie to put on and sort of do other things. Yeah. But, you know, you don't, it, this is not. Joke about it. Exactly. You don't have to go out of your way. So now we're going to talk about the real life case, which this is, is why, why a I, lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably know that in the ending because it's getting compared to this movie. Right. And this uh, real life story. So um, you guys probably, if you were in any way interested in horror, probably saw this. And uh, essentially, 
Um, there's a family in Indiana where uh, there is a, a, a mother a mother and a father were arrested and have basically been accused of abandoning their adopted Ukrainian daughter who has dwarfism because they allege that she was has always been, since they've known her, an adult woman. Yes. And then the law is saying, no, she actually was a child yes. and is now only 16. Right. But there's a lot of ins and outs. And initially, the article was basically from the Daily Mail. So right. it was sort so, of like, is any of this real? Right. No, you can't tell. They're not researching. They're not checking sources. Right. Um, her name is Natalia Grace Barnett. Um, the mother of the initial, uh, the Barnetts who adopted her, uh, basically is like, uh, she moved into her house. She was not eight, as we were told. She was 22. She uh, put bleach in our um, coffee. She tried to pull me into an electric fence. Uh, so not only simply she was an adult, but that but she was like— terrorizing yes. them. So, um, and then now Natalia, she's living with another family in Indiana um, and was on Dr. Phil, which you could look up. Right. And basically is like, no, I was always a child. The Barnetts had some kind of, I just said Munchausen, but sort of like the idea that like they have some. They've imagined something yes. that they are, have convinced themselves is reality. Exactly. And her new adoptive um, parents were like, yeah, she's never done any of that stuff. So like. For whatever else, she's not trying to kill us, you know? Right. And so, However guess, old she is, she's not murdering us. Yeah, so I would say, you know, take a look at that. Here's my question. How much of this is influenced by the fact that this, the movie Orphan, came yes. out in 2009 and this all happened after? I mean, I believe it. You you believe I mean, that she... No, I, be, I believe that it could have influenced the parents' But but let's get to the larger question. What do you think? I genuinely don't know. I haven't watched the mm-hmm. Dr. Phil interview. I do right. want to watch it. Um, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I could, like, I could see it being real, but I'm like, yes. is that just because it would be fun if that was a real story? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I'm convincing myself in that reality. Completely. Because it's entertainment. Because I feel like I, I'm more on the air on the side of she was a child and if she was trying to kill them and stuff, then that was like she had some sort of psychological right, right. problem. But that's not because she's 26 or exactly. whatever. And also, those, yeah, those two things are unrelated. Yes, I if agree If she's with very you. disturbed, then, then you have to get her care. I'm sorry, then you have, you know I mean? It's like if your biological child had right. a lot You're of... Like, parent, you can't just leave them in Indiana, yeah. which is what they're being accused of doing yes. as they move to Canada. And I, I'll be honest, though, I was, like, very firmly on the side of she's a child. And then I saw the Dr. Phil interview. I'm like, well, that seems like a 30-year-old woman. So Really? I, I'm, you know. Are you saying that based on her physical appearance or her, her demeanor? demeanor. Okay. But then I'm like, I guess she would have gone How old is she now? Technically, 16? 16. Okay. So the question is, is she 16 or is she 30? Okay. And I, you know, and I was like, so me judging her by demeanor, it's like, well, she has had an insane life where maybe she has had right. to develop, like— I have to still look to myself, and so that I'm reading something maturity. else into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so my final question for the episode is, so what's the spooky scale on the real story? If this is real. It's like it's like an eight or a nine. Eight. That's an ins- I'm giving it like, an eight. That's an insane, I mean, because it just is so scary. Right, if it's real. Even if she's not lying about her age, but is just a, a child that was adopted and was trying to kill her parents, that's right. scary. Absolutely. Or if you're regular, you know, any child trying to kill the par- their parents, not regular, I'm sorry, but biological children. Like, if there's, right. you know. <laughs> not regular. I'm not trying to do that. Um, God, Allison. No, I completely agree. And the only reason it doesn't get a 10 is that in real life, they leave her in Indiana. Right. Which if they had done that in the movie, they would be legally liable. But right. I guess then she wouldn't have murdered 
And there's no movie, you know? Exactly. so many of the, like, rationale points to these, it feels like, where it's like, oh, if they had just done that one thing, we don't really have a movie. Exactly. And we want to be clear, we have no idea if this story is what the truth of it is, so we're not making any sort of claims. No. Um, I will say, however, that uh, the uh, first adoptive mother, the Barnetts, um, when she says, oh, you know, she tried to drag me into an electrical fence to kill me, that's not what electrical fences are. No. I'm from a rural area. Yeah, they're to keep dogs in your yard. We used to touch horse fences— like on dares, it hurts, but it's not like you're going to explode into a skeleton right. like in the cartoons. So it's, it is like torture. Well, it's... It's not fun. It's she's true. doing it to hurt her but I'm if saying, that was happening. Yes, exactly. But, not but I'm just saying, the idea that like she's trying to kill me, it's like, well, no, that's not what would happen. Right. Guys, so many questions... And we're Many unanswered. To, and we won't, we simply won't answer them. Nope, we, we can't. leave a little mystery. We can't and we won't. Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of Ruined. I'm Alison Ivey. I'm Hallie Kiefer. Keep it spooky. No. I'm sorry, we'll come up with something. We'll better. do it. We'll work on it. <laughs> no, we won't. No, that's true. Goodbye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh generation. Find seventh generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com.